Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where it is Team Israel Fever here at NSN, as the baseball gods have bestowed their kindness upon Team Israel. We are cheering them every step of the way. Good morning, folks, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison and right before Nahum's live lunch, joined by Yoni behind the board, who did a great intro yesterday for Bite Size as he talked at length, and I don't mean that in a bad way, that's for sure. He talked at length yesterday about Team Israel as it was uh, heading into, well, as we thought was heading into their game with the Netherlands, which they have won. They are 3-0. and Good morning, Yoni. Boker Tove. How are you? That was like a little shout out to Avrami there with the Boker Tove. Yeah, that was nice. That was nice. If you only had a scruffy beard and had just gotten off a bus, you'd really be Avrami. No. I haven't shaved in a while. Yeah, but yeah. All right. We can we can forego yeah, this kind Team of Israel, though, huh? Team Israel. Yeah, nice segue. Team Israel is totally just it knocking the socks off of everyone in the sports industry. Uh, they've been referred to by the New York Post as the Cinderella story of this tournament. ESPN referred to them as the Jamaican bobsled team of yeah. the World Baseball Classic, which is a great reference. Shout out to the Jamaican bobsled <laughs> team. Um, but really, they are, I mean, they're a phenomenal, phenomenal story. Phenomenal story and a lot of fun to watch. Right. A lot of fun to watch. The bench on the bench is a hoot. Um, and Jordy Alter, who was on the air this morning with Nahum at 745 during JM in the AM, that is an archive that is already up. Thank you, Avrami. So if you missed that interview, Jordy Alter is the, I think, the vice president of the, of the Israeli Baseball Association, if I'm not mistaken. And he travels with the team, and he has been there for all three games. He will be spending Purim in uh, Seoul, right? That's fun. Yeah, it's... Uh, Tough to get a minion? It's the new Uman, I guess. Huh? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I guess there's going to be a whole pilgrimage, so to speak, depending <laughs> on the way the uh, the World Baseball Classic turns out in the end. But what is it, do you think, that is, I mean, there's been a lot of, oh, there are not enough Israelis on this team. Okay, haters are going to hate. I can't I can't listen to it. I can't listen to it. But, um, but what do you think it is about them that just makes this such a fun story for people who aren't Jewish? I mean, for us, it's obviously there's a tremendous amount of pride and there's Israel pride and seeing the Israeli flag and listening to Hot Tikva and watching the guys take off their caps and have their kippot underneath. I mean, the whole nine yards it, it, for us as Jews, regardless of the level of affiliation, there's a tremendous amount of pride for Zionists. There's a tremendous. But why are the sports fanatics loving this? Well, I think it's. I mean, we're, so we're in March, right? March Madness is something that's very popular. So anytime right. you have a, a 15 seed and a 16 seed in the basketball tournament, you're always rooting for them, regardless of they wh- being who the lowest playing. of the seeds. Right. So right. Israel came into this tournament ranked 41st, and right. like the next worst team, if you will, was like in the 20s, I guess, or the okay. teens. So Israel had no chance. And look at them now, three and zero and advancing. Right. They're in the quarterfinals now. They've secured their quarterfinal berth. Is yes. that how it works? Yeah. Right. And who do they play next? Do we know? Uh, we don't know yet, but they're playing in Tokyo now. So uh, different time zone, which means different times. Because like the 9 p.m., 10 p.m. starts or the 4 a.m. starts right. were brutal. Now, now it could get worse. I don't really know how it works I don't know Tokyo, how it works either. Of course, if Avrami was sitting in this chair, he, he would, would know. know. Yes, he would know. <sighs> My bad. Thank you, Avrami. Um, but wait a minute. So when does the Miami st- uh, angle come in? So I think if Israel... When, uh, if they come in either first or second in the next pool play, then then they might advance. I don't know exactly how it works. We'll see. Once once they figure things out for the rest of the week, all those scenarios will come about. So instead of having a bracket for The Bachelor in the studio, do you think we can get one for the World Baseball Classic so we can figure out how Team Israel advances? That should be, Jamie, that should be something that we're doing through social media, no? 
Yeah, Jamie's Jamie's into it. We got to we got to take this more seriously, right. I think, as a network. Um, but yeah, shout out to Team Israel. It's absolutely amazing to watch. We are all having a very good time with it. I actually. I mean, I, I met somebody yesterday who was very well connected in the Jewish world, and I said something about Team Israel, and he's like, "What?" And I said, "What are you, the only guy on the planet who doesn't yeah, know?" That's crazy. He's like, "Is it on Twitter?" I said, "Is it on Twitter?" It was trending on Twitter <laughs> when Team Israel is when anything regarding Israel is trending on Twitter. It's usually not in the positive sphere, right. but in this case, it has only been sorry to go with the metaphor, a home run. Let's do the sorry. Let's go with the fortune cookie. Let's go with the fortune cookie right now. Um, my thanks, as always, to Yehudis for supplying the fortune cookies, and my thanks to Yoni for picking today's fortune cookie. Of course, if it's a bad fortune cookie, it's no thanks to Yoni as well. Should we? Before I open this, is this a is this dedicated to Team Israel the fortune? Sure, Yoni says yes. Okay. Wow! Yikes! <laughs> Live each day as though it were your last. Well, okay. I think that that means a, that's a YOLO kind of a thing. You only live once, right? Go Team Israel. Yoni, live each day as though it were your last. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at that as a positive spin because that's it. They went in there. They went into the games as if, you know. Right. Well, are- so the, for the first three games, you don't have to have that mentality because, I mean, you should win and you should play that way. Right. But eventually it will get to single elimination and that's the mentality. All right. So YOLO, right? Yep. You only live once. Uh, today's national holidays. It is Barbie Day, which is only ironic since yesterday was national uh, International Women's Day, but we'll get to that in a minute. It's also Get Over It Day. It is Panic Day, which doesn't sound like fun at all. It's World Kidney Day. It's also National Meatball Day, which uh, if you're looking at what to serve tonight when you got to break the fast, meatballs. You know, who needs bagels and cream cheese after you break every single fast? Let's go for meatballs. And, of course, it is Tanis Esther, as we have mentioned. And, you know, as there are plenty of people who have uh, already finished their fast, no? See, Avrami would know these things, Yoni. If Avrami was sitting in that seat, Avrami would know. Um, but, uh, yeah, all right, all right, all right. We'll figure it out. Yes, people in South Africa, they're done. Tokyo. Tokyo. Probably. Yeah. Australia. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Good. Is Avrami feeding you answers? Is that what's happening it, right it now? It might be Shabbos in Australia. It, who knows? <laughs> I know. The time zones are so freaky. Anyway, my guest who joins me today is actually going to tie in a number of different things for me. Um, yesterday was International Women's Day, which I happily celebrated by going to work and then leaving work early to go bake with my daughter's class. And I don't say any of that sarcastically. I take both of those roles with tremendous pride um, and frankly don't understand how women not going to work celebrates women, but uh, nobody asked me. Shoshana Schechter is an assistant professor of Bible and director of the Machina and Basic Jewish Studies program at Stern College. Uh, She is the director of this program, which engages students at all levels of religious study with Jewish learning. She has had the unique opportunity to see which women in Tanakh click and inspire young modern Orthodox women today. Good morning, Professor Schechter. Hi, good morning, Miriam. Thank you for joining me. I hope you can tie all of this together. I imagine that you also celebrated International Women's Day by teaching courses yesterday at Stern College? Absolutely. There we go, because women go to work. That's what we do. Um, there is there is so much to discuss, and in terms of looking at Tanakh, and obviously today in light of Tanis Esther um, and Esther's role in, in the uh, tremendous role, obviously, in the Purim story, it's important as we, as educators and as mothers and as parents, and just as members of the community, to make sure that... That the that stories of or 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 personalities in Tanakh stay relevant um, and and serve as role models and heroes to our students and our children of today. So, which stu- which um, 
names or which personalities in Tanakh have stood out for you as a professor in your classroom that have served as role models for your students? Um, great question. So um, I always marvel how, you know, well, just a little background. Like you said, I run the Machina program. I teach Tanakh at Stern. I teach Tanakh to women on all different levels. I teach the beginner, the intermediate, and the advanced level. And what, always, what I always marvel about is how these women, these young 21st century modern Orthodox women, can relate to and be inspired by the characters, by the women in Tanakh, um, you know, with our different lives that we're leading and certainly different eras. And, um, and that's, what I always, that's what always amazes me, you know, when I teach right. my classes and I see the inspiration that they glean from the characters in Tanakh. So I guess we could start with Purim, and then we'll end up with the Ta. Okay. Uh, Purim, I guess, will represent the Nach part. But um, obviously, you know, it's Tanis Esther, and Esther is a key character in Tanakh. I think it's, uh, you know, well, before even talking about Esther specifically, I think it's the resilience, the initiative, and the intuition of women mm. that is really most inspiring. Um, Esther was somebody who was, um, you know, she took ownership of her responsibility. Um, she was resilient. I mean, it's so interesting. What I find so fascinating about Esther is that she really, she was a work in progress. She really progressed. You know, at the beginning of the Megillah, she's so passive. Right. You know, everything happens to her. Mordechai's in charge. Clearly, Mordechai's in charge. She does everything that Mordechai tells her to do. Um, everything is passive when it comes to Esther. You know, when she's, the, the Pasuk says, Vatilakach Esther, she's taken to the king. And then even when she's taken to the king, then she's taken to the women's place. And then she's taken to the king. And Mordechai keeps checking up on her, you know, and she just follows Mordechai's command. Mordechai tells her not to tell anybody who she is and where she came from. And she does everything that Mordechai tells her to do. And then you see her evolve and you see, you know, uh, my favorite part of the Megillah, which is really the climax, I believe, of the Megillah, which is uh, the end of Parak Dalid, when Mordechai comes and the famous speech he gives her, you know, he wants her to go to the king and plead on, the behalf, of the, on behalf of the Jewish people. And her response is, I can't do that. I'm going to get killed. He didn't invite me in. And Mordechai says to her, you know, this is the time to take responsibility. Right. If you're quiet now, you know, God will find a different source, a different person who can save the Jews. And you can, you and your, your family, you know, will, 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 will be destroyed. And who knows if this is the reason you became queen. And of course, we're sitting there listening to the story saying, duh, of course, that's why she became queen. <laughs> But we have to understand that the story took place over an extended period of time, you know, nine years where everything wasn't so clear. And after that point, you know, something clicked in Esther at that point, and she got up and she said, okay, and everything changes after that. She tells Mordechai, Lech, Knos Yudim, you know, gather them, tell them to fast for me, which is why we're fasting today. And then the parak ends and um, with the Pasuk, Vayavar Mordechai, Vayas Kechol Asher Tzivta Alav Esther. And Mordechai goes and does everything that Esther commanded him to do. And you see that switch. Now, right. now Mordechai is listening to Esther. Esther's taking the initiative. So, and the rest of the Megillah is Esther taking the initiative. So here you have this Jewish woman who has, who's in a situation that's scary for her, and she's taking ownership of what she needs to do and ownership of her responsibility and taking the initiative and really, you know, evolving into the person who's calling the shots, who's making everything happen. So one thing I so, had not, one, sorry to interrupt, one thing that I had not appreciated until recent was just how long over the... 
of how right. long of a time period the Mag- over, the Megillah takes place. Right. I mean, we hear it in ten prakim. Exactly. Like, we know the story from start to finish in an hour. And w- well, an hour? You ki- an hour? Are you kidding me? If it takes more than thirty-two minutes, the young Israel <laughs> Woodmere is up in arms. Right. Depends how many humans. You exactly. Know? <laughs> you got to pick the right minion. So there's. So it never occurs to us that we're looking at a, at close to a decade right. of time. There's a tremendous transformation to us as the as literally as the listeners. It, it seems to us like it happens like you know Beharif Ayin. It happens in the blink of an eye. But here, there's a real transformation that takes place over time. And then you're right, that power switch happens where all of a sudden she assumes this role. She becomes queen. Instead of the queen becoming her, she is that role and she starts to right. call the shots. It's a very, you're right. right. There is that, there, there is that, um, you know, there's that shift in personality, but there's also like a, there's that wake up moment. I'm almost like mm-hmm. snapping my fingers where she has this wake up moment. And she goes, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta I move. Gotta do this. Yeah, right. I gotta move. 100%. Who is the um is that is is Esther a character who in general is that is she somebody who stands out to students in the Mukhina program or so, is she somebody no, that you bring which to is them? What I was going to say, even though I have so many Persian students, <laughs> Esther is very meaningful to them specifically, ah, and they're right. all named Esther, their Hebrew names. But anyway, <laughs> um, but um, what I was going to say is that you know she's the most look. It's Thomas Esther, so that's why I started talking about Esther. But she is certainly not the one that stands out. She's one of the very powerful. Strong Jewish women that we have as role models, but I really teach. I mostly teach Hamisha Chum Torah, and um, you know what I was going to say is that you know Esther Purim. Purim. It's not just about Esther. Everybody knows, you know, Esther Purim is a holiday with the women, with the woman as the right. heroine. But really, every holiday is like that. What comes after Purim? We have Pesach. The women. It was Bishchut Nashim Tzidkaniot that the, the the holy women, the righteous women, in their merit that we came out of Mitzrayim. And what what did they do? Again, it's the resilience the initiative and the intuition. They knew what has to be done. Why is it in their merit that we left Mitzrayim? The Medrash gives very interesting, Rashi quotes the Medrash as well, that the women um, would go out and greet their husbands out in the field after a hard day at work and they would bring them, you know, food, and they would feed them, because even then they knew that a way to a man's heart was through his stomach, <laughs> and they would um, pretty themselves up, and they would, you know, there's this sedu- seduction scene that the, that the Medrash right. and the Gemara and Rashi describe, where the women would go and kind of seduce their husbands to make sure that they would want to be with them and come home, and they would continue having children, because the men were tired from a whole day's of work. The last thing they wanted to do was, you know, go back and sleep with their wives and bring kids into this horrific experience women knew that they had to do this because they knew if they didn't continue having children, then power would win and there would be no more Jewish people and there would be no future. And they had this intuition, this bina, that they knew that this is what had to be done. And you think they felt like bringing kids into this miserable existence? And they did anyway because they knew that that's what was important. So they that's had the also resilience and the, and the initiative to do that. And that's why they merited leaving Mitzrayim. That also so, seems to be a common th- theme throughout Jewish history. Women understanding, Jewish women understanding Understanding that the, that the need to bring more children into this world, despite the circumstance, despite exactly. the history, the period of time that might have just transposed or the hardship that they might have just gone through, um, that there was a need to talk about and look towards the next generation and bring in the next generation. And right. There, you're right. There is this hopefulness or or almost, I don't even know if it's hopefulness or this reality check that comes along with being a Jewish woman. And right. and we see it through we see it through Tanakh and we see it through modern history, whether it's, you know, stories that came out of the Holocaust that came after the Shoah. We talk about Golda Meir, who's a, uh, an, uh, you know, obviously an unbelievable modern, modern Jewish 
female role model. You can, but you see this 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 need to face reality in terms of the different women that you're that you're bringing that you're bringing up. Right, but I, I think that it's because they were created, their essence, they were created with this bina. You know, the word is vayiven, when Hashem creates women. And, and yes, on one level it means to build, and he built. But the, the word comes from bina, everybody, you know, a lot of them, of course, points out. And there's this intuition, you know, look, even in English, in English we have the expression female intuition. Right. I don't think there's an equivalent male intuition. I'm not saying male <laughs> are, males aren't intuitive, but, um, but there's it's this female the intuition that they just get it. They know right. what needs to be done. I mean, look at, look at women in Tanakh, look at, look at the Imahot, you know, look at Sarah. Sarah knew what had to be done with Hagar and Ishmael, and she knew, I'm talking about the second story, the first story is not a great story, um, and Sarah was wrong, but the second story, when, what, after Ishmael is born, and, and she tells Abraham, you know, they have to leave because he's impacting Yitzchak negatively, she had the, the intuition, the foresight to know what was a threat to the Jewish people and what was important for the future, and we know that she was right because Hashem said to Abraham, you know, Abraham felt bad. He didn't want to send, you know, Hagar and Ishmael out. And, um, and, and Hashem says to him, you know, you've got to listen to your wife. Right. <laughs> um, like, she knows what she's talking about. She gets it. She sees it. We see Rivka did the same thing. Rivka right. knew what had to be done with the brachos. You know, Yitzchak didn't quite get it. Rivka understood that, again, the way that she went about it, tricking him, is definitely not ideal. And you see that through the Mepharshim. And there were consequences for that with Yaakov's life, but she still, she knew what had to be done. It was that intuition. There was this, there is, again, this need to, by hook or by crook, look at the bigger picture. And we And we see these women in Tanakh who are serving as role models for, you know, for for women in your classes and for generations, being the ones to look, take a step back, see what the nation needs almost, see exactly. what see what the situation calls for, and 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 taking action. The 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 women that you're mentioning and role models and and female role models in Tanakh through and through seem to also have you know strong voices whether they use those voices whether they actually speak or whether it's through their actions the torah doesn't silence them we no. we hear no. their voices and it no. becomes even more apparent that j- just like the avo just like the fathers take prominence in you know in the Haggadah so do the women Absolutely. so so do the mothers and that to me also speaks we we you know there's this uh there's this movement and not not to get political and that is totally not the way I want to go but there is a, there is a need for us as modern orthodox women to say that we have very good very strong female Jewish role models. A hundred percent. And we don't have to, we don't have to identify ourselves based on, you know, to contrast based on what we're not or right. based on men. Exactly. And I, I really, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think this is very important to discuss in the, you know, maybe this isn't the forum, but maybe another <laughs> time, but in the modern Orthodox community, right. we should be proud of who we are. And I think if you, if you even, you look through Tanakh, I mean, even, even from the beginning when Hashem tells Adam, I'm going to create for you an Azer Kenegdo, and you look at the Mepharshim, and the Ezer Kenegdo, you know, there's a whole question, what does it mean, a helper against him? You know, so Rashi says, sometimes it's a helper, sometimes it's against. But right. really, if you look at the Maharal, if you look at other sources, Kenegdo means parallel to him. It's an equal partnership. And, you know, even, you know, when Hashem tells Avraham, you know, Sarah's going to have a baby, you're going to have a baby. And his reaction is, Lu Yishmael One second, I have Yishmael already. What do you mean I'm going to have a child? Is something going to happen to Yishmael? And Hashem says, no, you have Yishmael, but Sarah 
needs to be the mother, mm. and Sarah is not Yishmael's mother. She's your equal partner in this, and that's why Yishmael is not going to be that child that's going to carry on the Jewish Mesorah. So you see women playing a very important role and a very equal role. Again, difference. We are different from men, but right. equal. And, and, and that, I think, is so prominent throughout Tanakh, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think that there's a need to be discussing this with young um, you know, women, Orthodox women, who have to understand who really, you know, the more... The more I learn Tanakh, the more I see that, that the Torah is, is really demonstrating a real value of women. Agreed. Agreed. The, um, the program of which you are the director, the Machina program and basic Jewish studies program at Stern College, again, you reach um, students at different levels, but you do have students coming in at a very basic level of their yeah. understanding of Judaism and their, their introduction to Judaism came a little bit later, shall we say, because they're still college students, mm-hmm. but a little bit later in life than many, than the typical, I should say, the typical Stern College girl um, or woman, sorry about that, <laughs> typical Stern woman at Stern College. Uh-huh. Um, the the it, it's a step it's a step for them in the first place to enroll in Stern College when they are not coming from the strongest of Jewish backgrounds. But when they are when they enter the program and they start listening to the voices and they start learning the different um, personalities, do, does that does that bring them closer faster or are they still skeptical based on let's say preconceived notions that they've had or things that they've heard in the past about the way orthodoxy interacts with with women so i think it's very eye-opening for them one of the things that i think is so great about these women is that they're really coming with an open mind because they're taking the road less traveled this is not the path that their friends are taking um, and they, you know, what I've been discussing in terms of the resilience and intuition, the bina of women, I see that in these women. You know, I've had students from, from Tahiti, from, wow. I have one student from Tahiti, a student from the Himalayas in India, somebody who um, is from rural Vermont, uh, a girl who grew up Catholic, you know, who was searching for something, you know, something meaningful, a meaningful existence. So these girls had something that they intuited that they needed to find something that was going to give their life meaning. And that's why they ended up at Stern. And the fact that they're coming to Stern, you know, they're not coming with a sort of jaded perspective. If if anything, I find that sometimes the women that I have who grew up in the modern Orthodox world, who are coming from 12 years of yeshiva education, they're a little more jaded. Mm. You know, they're a little more uh, negative about certain or have certain preconceived notions, which I feel like, you know, my job partly is to break those down and show them a world that's not exactly as as they perceive it. But these machina women, you know, there's a certain purity, a certain, um, you know, purity to the fact that this is what they're, this is why they're here and they want to learn. You know, one of my students in Machina just started a feminist club on campus and um, <laughs> she asked me to speak. She said, you know, she was inspired by the fact that she didn't realize that there could be feminism in the Orthodox Jewish community. Right. And, um, and she, was, she was so blown away by that. And she started this feminist club on campus where we're discussing, you know, feminist issues and, you know, not necessarily in the way that, you know, sometimes the negative way that it's discussed and in in a very positive, you know, um, from a very positive perspective, you know, uh, um, highlighting, you know, the the personalities and the the women in Tanakh that we can look up to. So, um, 
So yeah, these women are here because they have this inside them that's pushing them to do this. And, uh, and I find that they are very inspired by these characters. I always ask a question on my final. It's kind of like one of these freebie extra credit questions. Of course, everybody gets those extra three <laughs> points. Um, you know, tell me something you've learned over the course of this semester that has really inspired you. I did that for my Mechina classes. And I would say 90, 99% of the time, it has something to do with one of the Jewish women that we learned about in Sefer Breshi. You know, a lot of them talk about Sarah. Some of them talk about Chava, interestingly. Some of them talk about Rivka. A lot of them talk about Rachel. Um, maybe we've had a few Leahs, but uh, I say mostly Sarahs. Um, but that's amazing to me that of everything we've learned, you know, that is what resonated with them. Of course, I'm, I'm curious, and we're going to unfortunately have to close with this, though I feel mm-hmm. like I talk to you for the next hour. We have yeah, to talk. Be fun. <laughs> yeah, we have to talk for a second about Miriam. She, um, she, she gets a hard, she gets a tough rap. I mean, she is Miriam Hanavia, um, but as I joke that I, I was destined at birth to just talk and not know when to stop because, you know, Miriam gets saras for saying Lashon Hara and is <laughs> sent outside of the camp. So is Miriam ever looked at as a, as a, as a, a role model as well? I mean, she, you know, 100%. she, she has, uh, she, t- the, Parsha, the Shabashira is obviously something that, that resonates tremendously with me. But do do your students, are they able to separate the negative from Miriam, of Miriam, and, and look at her as a role model? Okay, so first of all, absolutely. But I just want to say one point about that in general, and then I'll talk for one more minute about Miriam. Um, there's, the, the Torah doesn't mince words. And that's always important, and that's something that I think is important for my students and important for me. It's very inspiring to me. We know the Torah tells us the good stuff and the bad stuff. There's no perfect character. There's nobody who's infallible. Miriam's not the only one who's infallible in Torah. Sarah, I mentioned I've made reference to the first story with Hagar. It's a terrible story. You know, right. she, she definitely didn't behave in the proper way. And you look at the Ramban and all the Mepharshim, and they all say that. So I just want to say, for every woman that's so inspiring to us, part of the inspiration is that they're not perfect. They're human. They make mistakes. Right. You know, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't make it negative. If anything, they become more positive because they grow from their mistakes and they rise above them. Nice. With Miriam, I think the very first time we're introduced to her is interesting. It's in a Rashi. Rashi's quoting the Medrash in the first Pasuk in Parak Bed and Shemot, which is the beginning of Moshe Rabbeinu's story. It says, You know, a man from the house of Levi, who we learn is Amram, went and married Yocheved. And, and Rashi asks, what do you mean, first of all, weren't they married already? Because Moshe's born after that, but Moshe is the youngest of three children. And second of all, what does it mean, Vayelech? So Rashi says famously that um, Amram had divorced Yocheved because, because of the decree of Paro that the first, that the boys had to be thrown, had to be killed. So a lot of the Jewish couples um, divorced so they wouldn't have more children. And Vayelech Vayikach is Miriam who went to her parents mm-hmm. and she said, what are you doing? If you divorce and you don't have more children, right. then your gzardin, your decree is worse than Pyro's because he's killing the boys, but you're killing the girls also. Right. And then they went and they remarried and that's the birth of Moshe and that's the beginning of our salvation. So even as a young girl, Miriam, again, it's that same bina, it's the same intuition. I feel repetitive here, but you see this common thread here where this common theme where even little <laughs> 
Miriam recognize the importance of this union and the importance of moving forward, even if, you know, that wasn't necessarily what you had wanted to do, but that this was important. So wow. I think that, you know, there are very, you know, there are very positive things about Miriam. Yes, she messed up in terms of the lesson Hara, and you see Moshe arguing for her on her behalf, but that doesn't define her at all. Wow. The same way that all the characters in Tanakh, all the women, men and women, they make their mistakes and they rise above them. That is good. That is that is good, Moser, to me. I have to be honest with you. That is good. See, that's why I had six kids, because I completely <laughs> appreciate the need to bring children into this world. Professor Shoshana Schechter from Stern College, thank you so much thank for you, joining Mary. me. This was wonderful, and uh, open invite for you to come back here to That's okay, Life. I'd love to schmooze again. Thank you so much. You've been listening. Thanks so much. My have pleasure. Easy fast thank you. Chag Sameach. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Yoni has been giving me dirty looks because I am totally run out of time, but how can you stop? She was amazing. We are... Uh, we're we're a couple minutes away from the live lunch. I have a feeling we're going to bring this song up in the background because I want to play it in its entirety. But the entire day here at the Nachum Siegel Network is not a moment for you to miss. The programming is unbelievable. Live lunch starts right after this. And after, as you know, full afternoon programming. Jam and the AM tomorrow morning. Naomi with a brand new show at ta- with Table for Two starting at 9 o'clock. Then, of course, our Arab Shabbos music mix brought to you by our friends at Kedem, bringing you starting at 10 o'clock and going till candle lighting. Avrami hosts uh, Saturday Night Siegel. <coughs> Excuse me, this Motzei Shabbos. Matzis hosts JM Sunday with a, a little Purim celebration going on there. Yeah, there it is. Yoni brought it up. I am closing today with this new song that was debuted this morning on JM the AM. It's Od Yishama by a band called Derech Achim. They are out of South Africa. They have two great tracks, an album that is set to be released around Lagba Omer. I shared their video for this song yesterday via Twitter and Facebook. I'm telling you right now, they are the next greatest thing in Jewish music. I love their sound. (coughs) Excuse me. So even though it's not Purim-esque for us to do this song, it is a shout-out to... (coughs) Excuse me. A shout-out to two weddings, two engagements, so many things going on. (coughs) I apologize. Anyway, miles up to Alexandra Rubin. Of Lawrence, New York, and Zevi Litwin from Miami. They got engaged last night. I, <coughs> somehow or another, just lost my voice. Anyway, Chag Purim Sameach. Easy fast to all. Go Team Israel. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs>